How does Jesus define the Christian's identity? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or look for Confessing Jesus at our website, issuesetc.org. Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, 1-800-325-3040, or issuesetc.org. Text me, send an email, link me up, give me a call. I'm ADD on AOL and trying to read the writing on the wall. Everybody's on the phone, so connected and all alone. One simple number will shock you, I guarantee you it will shock you. Or perhaps if you are the parent of an average American teen, it might not shock you. 70 hours, that's how many hours a week the average teen outside of school spends on their phone or on some device on a screen. Screen time and teens. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Reformation Day, Monday afternoon, October the 31st. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to talk about a new study on teens and screen time with Joy Pullman of The Federalist. Dr. Gene Edward Veith joins us after that to discuss some tips when visiting a Lutheran church. He's author of The Spirituality of the Cross. And then we'll discuss the church triumphant hymn, Jerusalem, My Happy Home. Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, will be alongside for that hymn study. Joy Pullman is executive editor of The Federalist. She's author of the book, The Education Invasion, and a recent column titled Study, Outside of School American Teens Average 70 Hours Per Week Glued to Screens. Joy, welcome back. Hi there. Thanks for having me, Todd. What's the biggest takeaway from this recent Teens in Tech report from the Institute for Family Studies and the Wheatley Institute? Well, I think the top line that the researchers pulled out in their report was the differences between intact families and non-intact families in children. And, and, and we're talking actually teens here, ages 11 to 18, so teen screen time. But I looked at that and I thought even among kids of intact families, so that means you know living with their own two married biological parents, young people in that age range are self-reporting that they're spending nine hours a day outside of school so not, you know, this doesn't include on their iPads for ostensibly homework and things, nine hours a day on entertainment, internet media. And so I thought that was, I don't even hardly know how you could pack that much time into the day, what that totals to. So when you, of course, blend the intact and the non-intact families together, it averages out to about 10 hours a day, the typical teen spends online, non-productive behavior, that's 70 hours a week. What do we know about mental health in teens and as it correlates with their screen time? There's, and I actually started following the research on this a number of years ago. So there has been an increase in early research that really shows some strong negative effects, not just for teens, but also for everyone. But it's concentrated, of course, in young people because 
their brains are developing and they have a lot of formation of their brains left to do that often screen time can impede. So some of the negative correlations for high amounts of time spent on screens that are really well documented at this point include depression, negative body image, especially for young girls on Instagram, which is of course owned by Facebook. And other ones include disruption of their sleep. And then others included, you know, if you read the book by one of the researchers on this study that we're talking about, actually a couple of years ago, she wrote a book called iGen, Jean Twenge. And she pointed out, you know, just a number of uh, negative effects on young people that include arrested development, essentially, because when teens are and young people and everyone nowadays are substituting online interactions for real in-person interactions, and that actually reduces people's development, you know, it reduces their social skills. So I've also seen, for example, something related to that. There's been research showing that the high amount of tech use, cell phone um, use by parents reduces their parenting skills. So, you know, across the board, those are some of the very, you know, strong negative effects that apparently, you know, are affecting everyone very strongly, you know, because I think it's pretty fair to say, I mean, pretty much no one can argue, I think, with the fact that if anyone spends 10 hours a day doing anything, they're addicted to it. You know, that's far beyond the standard work week, you know. So if you're doing something for entertainment, for, you know, keeping your time occupied 10 hours a day, 70 hours a week, that should be easy to label an addiction. And that's the standard American young person. So you mentioned this a moment ago, but specifically, what is the difference between the teen living in an intact home versus teens in step-parent, single-parent, or other non-intact families? As I mentioned earlier, the researchers did find a overall reduction in time among the kids who are living with their own parents versus kids in step-parent, single-mom homes, and, and the like. On average, the difference was that kids with their own two parents were spending nine hours a day on entertainment internet, and the kids who are in single-parent, step-parent, and, you know, and other non-intact families were spending an average of 11 hours a day. You know, So if you aggregate that across the week, that's 63 hours a week for the kids living with their own married parents online and entertainment. And that's 77 hours a week for kids in broken families spending online. And so I don't think I went into as a great amount of the detail in my write-up of the report as the authors of the study did. But in, you know, if you go to read the report like I did, they kind of mentioned the fact that, of course, you know, if you have one adult versus two parents in the home, you obviously have fewer people there to monitor young people. And then, of course, if you have kind of like complicated family situations, step parents, you know, boyfriends, blended families and all the rest, it kind of creates a barrier to having any sort of norms in the family or imposing any sort of discipline on the kids because of the reductions in communication, the kind of potential confusion and kind of emotional issues, you know, of course, that come with having a blended family and kind of lines of authority and so forth aren't as clear. So how does this study we're discussing compare with other data we have on teens and screen time? Like I mentioned, you know, so I've been following this for a pretty long time. I've written about it regularly. This study is not an outlier at all in finding this exorbitant amount of time spent online by not just young people, but pretty much everybody. You know, so if you look, for example, the one that I keep going back to for their annual, sometimes biannual report is an organization called Common Sense Media. And so they've done regular updates of screen time among, they even go all the way down to babies, to toddlers. So multiple different researchers and organizations have documented these just mass addiction level amount of time that people of every single age are now routinely spending 
online on entertainment, you know, non-productive activities. This isn't typically, you know, so my, my husband loves to use YouTube to help fix things around the house, right? <laughs> so he learns how to fix the plumbing under our sink and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, this isn't the almost any amount of what we're talking about here. We're talking about just consumption, passive consumption. So that's been documented across ages. And the other thing I was going to say about that, it's not only been documented as being rampant across basically all ages, but it's also been documented as being a huge shift in just a short amount of time. So I think it's 2009, you know, that in this study, the researchers cite a study showing that, you know, back then teens in high school spent half as much time online, right? So 2009, where are we? That's, you know, 13 years ago. That's basically almost at the beginning of these kids' school years, right? So just half a generation ago, Kids were online pretty much as, as much as was the average kind of TV watching in the age of TV that started with, of course, the 1960s. So, you know, Americans after the age of TV watch a lot of that on average, you know, a couple of hours a day. Again, there's an order of magnitude difference between the average American watching maybe three to five hours of TV average a day, which is to me also a ridiculous number. But now that's already doubled, probably because we can carry those TVs around in our pockets and parents are letting their kids do that. What do we know about the effect of COVID school closures on this trend? Common Sense Media, that organization that I mentioned earlier, did some research on that, and they did find that school lockdowns increased the already high rates of essentially, I'm just going to call it a screen addiction, because like I said, you can't call 10 hours a day of doing it anything else. So that did increase already high levels among teens. I think the average age pre-lockdown, teens were spending about seven hours a day on media, and so now they're up to 9, 10, 11 that is partly directly attributable to the lockdowns. That just exacerbated a trend that was pre-existing like the lockdowns did in many other ways. But the other thing I think that rather than just being all doom and gloom here, one kind of positive thing that came out of that, what I consider to be an evil and, and foolish action, the school lockdowns, and that's being really vindicated by the data right now, one of the, the good things that did come out of that was people had such a forced interaction with transferring all of their relationships, attempting to and in their interactions online. And, and we learned that it really is not a good substitute. You know, so there's some things that we can do really well, you know, through the Internet, such as me talking to you and your listeners right now that wouldn't have happened before or, you know, the telephone and all the rest. But we learned from that. We really viscerally learned in our bones and parents watched this happen with their kids, you know, so through their own children and their families suffering, we really learned, I think, at a deep level that the mediating relationships through a screen only can do so much, you know. So like I said, there's some good things that it can do. You know, my, my kids talk by video to their grandparents every week who live very far away. So that's a blessing. Otherwise, they'd have to do it without the video. You know, we do it by phone. But on the whole, there's not only some good benefits that we get from all of this interconnectivity, but we're having some very, very serious downsides. And I think the results of that are only just starting to be realized. What does this study recommend regarding the parents of teens and the restriction of screen time? So the study authors recommended that parents um, do a number of things to kind of ameliorate this very alarming reality that they discovered. One of them was to keep electronic devices out of kids' bedrooms at night because, you know, one of the things that kids, they can't pull themselves away. So they sit up late at night, you know, continuing to play and game. And if, you know, I'm talking to grownups here largely, but who of us hasn't? 
been laying in bed with her phone and then an hour later said, what am I doing? I should have been sleeping. This is ridiculous, right? So kids even have less of an ability to self-monitor and self-regulate. And so parents, of course, it's their job to regulate their kids you know, for them and then teach them how to self-regulate. That's a basic duty of parenting. Another thing the authors recommended was that parents limit screen time to a couple of hours a day, delay smartphone access to age 16 or 18, one note to make there is, you know, they said, you know, sure, if you feel like you need to get in touch with your child. So for example, you know, I have some babysitters who are right around the age of just barely being able to drive themselves. I can understand a mother wanting, or me, you know, as, as I'm the mother of my kids wanting to be able to get in touch with the person who's watching my kids, but you don't have to have them have a smartphone with apps in order to do that, right? So my, my husband and I, we can leave one of our phones home for our babysitter, but there's also lo-fi phones that basically just do calling and text, you know, for a safety net that parents can have for their kids. And that really helps prevent the addictive, the slot machine effects that phones can have on kids while still giving access in time of emergency. Another thing they recommend is keeping kids, quite frankly, off social media for as long as possible and arranging for their kids to make friends with other kids whose families share similar boundaries about tech use so that their kids can have friends and learn how to actually socialize with real people and how to meaningfully build relationships with human beings instead of through robots. Joy Pullman of The Federalist is our guest. We're talking about a new study on teens and screen time. We'll discuss long-term effects next. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministries sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. Welcome back. We're talking about a new study on teens and screen time with Joy Pullman of The Federalist. Joy, let's talk about long-term effects. What are we likely to see from this excessive screen time over time? So in America, like I mentioned, this is this level of 
screen mediation of all of our lives is really unprecedented. But I think we can get kind of a good guess by looking at some societies that you know are a little bit ahead of us, such as South Korea, Japan, uh, a lot of Asian countries, the uh, developed parts of China. And in fact, governments in those nations, I mean, so we've been seeing, for example, one strong thing that is a huge civilizational effect that we haven't talked about that is also tied to all this internet addiction is the ubiquitous availability of pornography, which of course reduces not only family formation, which is an existential issue for a society. If you don't have families, you don't have a society, you know, after another generation of no kids, but it also basically diverts the kind of creative energy and power that is related to the sexual drive for which basically civilizations, you know, are often built using harnessing that drive into productive uses of people's times and energies and abilities. And so, you know, there's stagnation, the culture of stagnation and decline, not just at a literal physical level and lacking children, but also lacking drive. And that also is a, a an effect that people see from uh, internet addictions. That is, even if you're not using pornography for a lot of that time that you're on your screen, absolutely saps willpower, saps creative energy, just makes people People tired and lethargic. <laughs> you know, so again, it kind of remains to be seen, but you know, you're seeing foreign governments being very, very concerned about this more advanced sort of thing happening in their societies. They're talking about young people will have arrested development. You know, it's, it's a phenomenon in those societies, those Asian societies that I mentioned for um, young people to, you know, never get married and basically play dress up on the weekends for fun. So that, you know, they're talking about the infantilization, the arrested development of their people. And I think about this just in terms of who's going to keep the lights on in this country if nobody <laughs> right? That requires years and years of study and working together with other people and developing skills. You know, if you think about 70 hours a week that these young people are spending, this is outside of school. They could be holding down in addition to doing all of their studies, they could be holding down an additional full-time job plus another part-time job with the time that they are instead spending just watching cat videos on TikTok or talking to their friends or passing the time and wasting their lives. What we're basically doing is killing, you know, the embryos of, of trees that we are depending on in the future to build our civilization to keep it going. <laughs> you know, if, if, if the young people never learn how electricity works, if they don't have the perseverance and the grit to do difficult things instead of the easy thing of staring at a phone, when you and I are elderly people, you know, laying in our bed, and needing someone to bring us food, right? Or have healthcare or literally just, you know, keep the heat going. Will young people be able to do that who have never done anything difficult in their lives and spent almost all of what could have been instead, you know, in, in the cyberspace in a fantasy world? I don't believe in entire doom and gloom, but I do think people need to take this extremely seriously. It's not just oh, no big deal. It's just some silly cartoon. You know, it's their lives we're talking about here. It's their entire futures that if certain things don't happen within the same window of adolescence and young adulthood, they typically never happen at all. And those are the things that we need to be happening civilizationally, again, to, to keep the lights on, to have a civilization at all, to have grandkids, you know, to have children who are keeping up our churches, who are, who are uh, souls who are alive to the faith. Um, you know, these, these are existential questions that we're ultimately talking about here. It's not just a cat video. Why do you say that this is a national crisis? Oh, for the reason that I've just said there. Just think for me also as a parent, looking back at when I'm, I've thought about how 
you know, I want to parent my children in regards to this. I think about my own childhood. Video games were around then. They were, you know, a, a little bit, you know, not quite as advanced and immersive, of course, as they were today. You know, but my parents re- restricted our TV time and, and we weren't allowed to have video games in the, in the home at all. And as a kid, I thought that was, you know, really unfair. And we had like the most boring parents that I ever heard of. <laughs> You know, we would play a couple of video games at our friends' houses and things when we went over to them. But when I look back as an adult on my childhood, I really think, thank you, mom and dad. You put up with all of my whining. You put up with, you know, your friends thinking you're those weird parents who don't do the thing that we all do. And because of that, I have hobbies in my life. I have skills. You know, I know how to bake bread. I I can sew almost anything. You know, I was involved in 4-H as a child. You know, I know how to garden. I, I also have the mental capacity to focus and spend my mental energies on a something difficult for a sustained period of time. And that's a skill that also phones take away from us by making it so easy and, and, dis- and destroying our attention span. Again, you can't make any advanced discoveries or achievements in your life without that capacity that we're completely destroying and taking away from our kids. And and another thing I do, you know, when I look back at my childhood and what my parents did, you know, again, withstanding the social pressure and their kids pressure to protect a good future for me. I also think that the few times that, you know, that they let us watch a couple of videos here and there, like I said, play some video games at friends' houses. And when I look at those times of entertainment as a child, I think, you know, those are all pretty much a waste of time. I do regret even the small amount of time that I did have a wasted on entertainment. I wish I was doing literally almost anything instead, you know, sticking a stick in the mud, <laughs> talking to a friend, being bored and staring out the wall and coming up with something else to do with myself. So it, it was a result of discussing that with my husband, you know, when we were thinking about our parental boundaries and our, our policies to realize for both of us that the time that we spent watching TV, we never can get back and we regret every minute of it. And it really didn't benefit our lives at all. When we think about that for our own kids, we have a weekly family video night, you know, that they watch some silly stuff to kind of take the pressure off the issue. But, you know, it probably would be better if we didn't even do that. And so that opportunity cost multiplied by all of these hours of all of these decades that are being completely lost. You know, no parent wants their child to look back on their life and think what could have been with all of those hours. And it was all spent with cat videos. And so I think just thinking about that, you know, would be something good for every single parent and grandparent, someone who has influence over not only children, but also themselves. You know, you and I, we know we have smartphones. They are distractions to us. They are very hard to control. And it is our duty, you know, as adults also to be a model for others and to use the time that we are given by God as responsibly as we can. And I think in almost every case, you can think there are times the phone is the most efficient way to carry out a duty that you have, to communicate with your husband what you want picked up from the grocery store, to check in on this or that. But there are also many times when, you know, a phone is taking us away from our duties and it is part of our responsibility for the time that God has given to us all to keep a check on that and be very serious about it. Because, you know, I think the hours that you have in this life are more precious than almost anything. They're certainly more precious than money and you can never get them back. Of course, the dirty little secret is that a smartphone or a iPad or whatever the device may be, makes a very, very inexpensive babysitter. So Mm -hmm. what can parents do with their children to fill those hours of time that would otherwise be spent with that electronic babysitter? I mean, this is a little bit flip, but it's also serious. Just suffer. (laughs) 
<laughs> be willing to suffer, right? Because living with sinful people who include me and you and our children, that includes some suffering. And so I think actually the refusal to even suffer a minor inconvenience, such as some, some fussing in the checkout line, is one of the major things that is kind of driving this mass societal addiction. And we've just got to stop it for the sake of our kids. I'll be honest, you know, I've got two little people with me most of the day while my bigger kids are in school. They're two and four. So I had to do some errands today and I wanted to listen to my podcast <laughs> in the car, but my two people in the back were um, fussing, you know, it's not interesting to them to listen to mommy's grown up podcast. So I had to turn it off and I had to sing nursery rhymes to them while we were in the car to entertain them so they wouldn't fight and punch with each other in the back seat doing my errands. And that right there is, you know, I have to develop my parenting skills in order to fulfill my duties to my children and my responsibility to them to be attentive to their needs instead of selfishly doing what pleases me all day long. So, I, I mean, I think saying, you know, I am will, you know, and I know very well that I have more arguments going on in my house. And the argument is an opportunity for what, you know, rebuke, repentance, and forgiveness, and then, you know, living in joy, right? So if you're avoiding every single inconvenience, then you're also avoiding essentially the Christian life. And so I guess that's kind of the sort of hard thing that I would have to say. Just be willing to suffer for the good of your family. Another thing is, I mean, I do also think about that kind of on the other side of the ledger, on the positive side of the ledger. You know, so one of my sons, you know, he had a friend who was really into Minecraft and that he really came to his father and I and said, I want to play Minecraft. You know, my friend's doing it. Good friend, good family. You know, that's their personal decision. But my husband and I had this conversation and we thought, you know, I don't think it's evil, but he, again, he could be doing so much with his and my son's 12, you know, so he's on the cusp of heading towards adulthood. So his middle childhood is an opportunity he will never have again to be using his leisure, learning to use leisure in ways that bless himself and others. And so my husband, after we, you know, talked, he went to my son and said, okay, I see that you really want to build things and you want to do it in a way that builds relationships. Well, come down to my wood shop and, you know, we're going to set a regular time where you and I, and we're going to pick projects that interest you that are at your skill level. And we're going to be building things together. What project do you want to start with? So every family, of course, isn't going to have a wood shop, you know, and a son that they're going to take it to. But I give that as an example of think about the sort of family culture that you would like to have and that you're missing out on because of all of this time everyone spent wrapped up in their own little worlds apart from each other. One thing that I'm going to start doing in Advent that I hope will become a habit for our family after that is read to my kids while they're all eating breakfast in the morning, just to kind of reclaim a little bit of time that we can spend together focusing our minds on something beautiful. So every family will have different things that they like to do. Some, maybe some families are sports families, you know, some families are board game families, some families are craft families, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Just think about what seems to be a gift or a possible area of growth that God has put into each of the individuals that make up your family and think about what's the simplest step that I can take and we can take towards making space for more of this by setting aside the space that is currently occupied by all those screens that take us away from each other and from the confronting of sin and the repentance and the growth that really ought to be making up our lives here on earth. Joy Pullman is executive editor of The Federalist. She's author of the book, The Education Evasion, in a recent column titled Study Outside of Work, 
Americans' teens average 70 hours per week glued to screens. You'll find a link to it on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Joy, thanks. Thank you. Up next, Dr. Gene Edward Veith joins us. He has some tips when visiting a Lutheran church. We'll hear what they are next. How does Jesus define the Christian's identity? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or look for Confessing Jesus at our website, issuesetc.org. Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, 1-800-325-3040 or issuesetc.org. What is eternal life? How do you understand it? How do you imagine it? We're full of all sorts of ideas of what eternal life might be like. And yet, the scriptures are clear. Eternal life centers on Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. The November issue of the Lutheran Witness explains some of these misconceptions about eternal life and what the scriptures say. So to learn more, pick up your copy of the November issue of the Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness teaching you to interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. We love our on-demand listeners. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. 